after all those promos and welcome to book talk with jennifer sparks and nolan crab and i'll turn it over to you jennifer and you can turn it over to nolan and say whatever you're going to say and now i can eat some more of that sandwich that was so good oh bacon lettuce and tomato sandwiches they were wonderful i haven't had one with real good tomatoes she got the tomatoes or from the market and they were really good but anyway hello everyone welcome to book talk this is i forget episode seven i think i lose track but yes it is i'm glad to have everybody here and glad to be have nolan back in person this week though you did a fantastic job last week nolan um it was very easy to run those spots i am so grateful you were willing to help with that i and it is good to be back live. I'm really grateful for the privilege. It's thanks again for running those segments. I I don't know if you got through all seven or not, but uh, we got through three or four of them. Four okay, of them, good. I think so. Okay, good. You can. I will do a better job of keeping track of what I have and haven't reviewed. But I think we're going to be okay for no. For today, that's fine. Don't worry about that. Take yeah. No, it'll be good. Um, so thanks again for running those, and I was grateful to be able to be away last week it was a good conference we we had it well attended and so uh, it was worth the time i spent on it and i'm grateful to be back with you this week lots of good stuff coming up this week too i think yeah and thank you producer perry so go right ahead nolan who wants to go first uh, we'll let you go. Do okay. you want to talk a have we Have we beat the, the our buddy Reed to death? Or? Yeah, I think we probably, we probably, I may have mishandled poor old Mr. Baldacci a bit. I think in the future, when we do one of these, we should probably talk about it at the top of the program. Would you agree? Yeah, that's probably a good idea because yeah. we went out of time. And we're see, open to suggestions if anybody wants to give us one during this program or Nolan has graciously picked one out. I have one, but uh, I, I don't know if it'll work. I, I'd like to hope it would. Um, actually, I think it was Gil Harris who did a review of this at DB Review many months ago, a long time back, called The Wrecking Crew by Kent Hartman. And I know that Gil has a uh, special appreciation for the drumming talents of Hal Blaine. And Hal is one of the people most featured in this book. This essentially is the story of a group of rock and roll musicians who um, played on a variety of, of hits that you might surprise you to find out how many of those guys were on. And uh, it included guys like uh, Hal Blaine, Glenn Campbell was part of that wrecking crew, uh, Leon Russell. Uh, I'm, I'm skipping some. I'm leaving some out by accident, but... Uh, I've read the first chapter of this, and golly, does it look intriguing, and it'll keep you awake. If you if you have any, even a relatively casual knowledge of music of the 60s and early 70s, uh, this will really connect to that knowledge. And so that would be my suggestion for to talk about in two weeks, unless one of the listeners has something that would be more appropriate and would be better. Works well for us. Jennifer, have you got something for us this week? I read oh. that book. Sure. I might be a We may have to do a little muting here, Mr. Producer. Okay. Go ahead. So, shall we start with our reviews? You want to do a review first, Nolan, or do you want me to go? Okay. 
Can't shut her up. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to do a review and start us off. Okay. A few weeks ago, on this very in this space, Jerry, who lives in uh, Emmaus, Pennsylvania, I don't want to dox the guy accidentally. Um, he and I had had discussions years ago when I did a radio show on the Legend, a Wednesday night program, and one of the things we talked about was that he lived in the same community in which uh, Jimmy Stewart was born. And when I traveled to that community back in the 90s, early 90s, the town had done essentially nothing for this guy. Um, oh, they had a statue to him in the in the courthouse square, I think. And I I have pictures of me standing next to the statue, of course. Um, but there was there was really no, I don't know, it was the strangest visit to that community. I went into the public library and said, I have the address of the home where Mr. Stewart was born. Is there anything there? And she said, oh, my goodness, you can't really go there. That's a private residence. Um, she said, I guess we can't stop you from pulling up in front of the house if that's what you want to do. But people who live there, and, and uh, so what I learned was that at the time, the community had really done nothing at all. To uh, And I, I drove around to where the, the old hardware store had been that, that the family owned when Stuart was a young person and so on. He's always been a favorite of mine in terms of his movies. I discovered him when I watched in the early 80s a film that my church produced called Mr. Kruger's Christmas. Briefly, that's the story of an old gentleman who lives alone in a rundown apartment building. He's very lonely. His wife has died. He has a cat named George, and that's essentially all he has in the world. He is the maintenance guy for this rundown building. And as he fantasizes one night about he puts on his tabernacle choir record, and he fantasizes about conducting the choir, and it's as though he were, were there. And, in fact, in the movie, they actually shot scenes of him conducting the choir, which is something that had been on his personal bucket list for, for decades. So he was quite thrilled to be able to actually do it. In any event, uh, it's a touching film about Stuart and his relationship, uh, actually about this janitor and his relationship to the baby in the manger at Bethlehem, who obviously grew up to be the savior. It's it's uh, unless your soul is so corroded and jaded that absolutely nothing gets through to it anymore. Uh, if you see this, it'll it'll move you in in some memorable ways. There's a monologue in which Jimmy Stewart talks to the baby in the manger. He he's looking at the one in his nativity in his rundown apartment, and then the film cuts to a scene in which it looks like he's actually kneeling at the real manger and looking in at a a real child. And it's, it's a very impressive monologue. It moves me to tears every time I see it. But that was my actual introduction to Stuart as a young adult. I had small children at the time. After that, I began collecting his movies and got as many of them on video cassette as I could. And it was a, 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 just a real awakening for me to recognize the talent that he had, in my judgment. So the book I want to start recommending this week is called Jimmy Stewart Bomber Pilot. This is by Star Smith. Um, Star is two R's, S-T-A-R-R, -R, Smith. And if you are eligible to order books from your from the National Library Service or to download them from, from the online site, you should look for DB60563. Once again, DB60563, and the book is called Jimmy Stewart Bomber Pilot. I liked this book because it didn't focus on military history. In other words, if you read this, you won't read paragraph after paragraph about the type of planes and the size of the bombs and what kind of radio equipment did they use and did the antenna 
wire drag outside the plane or how did that work or any of that any of those military history geeky in the woods things that you might think you're going to get uh from that kind of a book um this was a great book it did not let me down as i thought it as i feared it might because i was afraid it was going to be a military history it essentially looks at his life stewart's career in the military during world war ii and he rose to the rank of brigadier general before his his life ended and um he it talks about how he enlisted washington said no you're a celebrity we don't want you to do anything but make military films for us and stewart basically said no that's not enough that doesn't that's not going to cut it and he wangles away somehow and, and nobody the biographer really isn't even sure how he got it to work but somehow or other stewart wangled away to uh, to fly to england and become part of the 8th air force well the 8th air force saw a great great deal of action in world war 2 and he was one of the pilots who flew bombing raids over Germany and I think Romania, perhaps, and other places. Um, it's a fascinating book about his efforts and the, the reactions that the other uh, Air Force people had to him. Initially, they held him at arm's length. Oh, he's a celebrity. Uh, we don't want to deal with this guy. He thinks he's all that. What he later learned was that he was just this basically down-to-earth, humble guy from Pennsylvania who... Uh, was not a whole lot different from any of them. And once they learned that, he developed tremendous solid relationships with the men with whom he flew. It's, it's um, again, it's worth, it's worth uh, reading. They, it looks also briefly at his 45-year marriage and uh, questions some of the apparent love affairs he uh, may or may not have had in Hollywood. We're not sure. It focuses on the loss of his son in Vietnam. His son was a pilot also. And Stewart also flew a bombing mission uh, over North Vietnam as a brigadier reserve general. Um, it looks at his self-imposed seclusion that what that happened when his wife died, and uh, and that pretty much lasted until the time of his death. He he pretty well walled himself off from the world after her death. Um, it's worth worth reading and. Uh, Again, I would recommend it. Bomb, uh, Jimmy Stewart, Bomber Pilot by Star Smith, DB, what did I say it was? See, my memory's gone. 60563. So that's my first recommendation. And I bet that's a good one. I like Jimmy Stewart. He's always so good in movies that he's in. I, I don't know how many times I've watched uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm, exactly. My well, children joke that there's a scene in Wonderful Life in which Stewart loses his temper. And and he he starts yelling at his kids and throwing the the uh, the the bed not a bedpost the the door knocker whatever that thing is that came off in his hand and um and my kids just have all joked that yep that's that's dad with that's he he clearly copied every line from that <laughs> so it's it's fun to that scene always makes me laugh when I think about that and my kids saying yeah we've seen that scene before hey Nolan we have Pierre who wants to talk whenever you're ready to go to him. Anytime you're ready, go ahead. You you can go to him whenever you want. We just tell you. So, yeah. Pierre, if yeah. you're ready, go ahead. Uh, Nolan, have you ever uh, read a, a series called The Cleaner? I have not. Sorry, I'm not familiar with it. The Cleaner is by, I think his name is Mark Dawson. Okay. And and this guy is a government employee. Mm-hmm. And anytime the government goes in and kills someone uh, or or whatever, mm-hmm. His job is to come in and get rid of the body and clean, you know, clean it up. And uh, in the first book, he uh, he gets tired of this and he's on the run. Uh, 
because he doesn't want to do this anymore. Okay. But but then it goes into uh, uh, there's uh, three or four books in the series, and it's a great series. Well, thank you for that. I'll I'll look at that. That's a great request. A good. I think I did read the first one of those, Pierre, and it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah it is right. good. Sounds wonderful. Thank you. I'll check that out. Because he gets rid of all the evidence possible and gets rid of the body too, and and they call him. You have to assume that's a robust business these days, but I don't know. That's just me being me. I don't know. Uh, so uh, that's my first book. I have more, but I think it's probably your turn. Why don't you crack, take a crack at something? Well, this book, that this first book that I wanted to talk to you about today is a is a true crime. And you say, okay, we know people get killed, people do things. Why would you want to read true crime? Well, this book is... One of those books that kept you hoping and cheering for the it's about three three sisters and their abusive mother. And it it keeps you cheering for these kids and hoping and you this woman, her name was well, her married name was Shelly Notech. And she she started out bad. She was bad when she was a little girl. She you know, you always think, you, you hear people, you know, and you, you think, well, my kid does bratty things and they lie, but that's a little kid, they'll grow out of it. Well, she didn't grow out of it. When she was in third or fourth grade, she put glass in her, in, in, this, in this girl's shoes that she didn't like. And so then she got expelled from school. Her parents couldn't take care of her they sent her to live with an aunt the aunt sent her to reform school anyway she was bad but she's a very beautiful woman so when she grew as she grew up you know she got men to fall in love with her and marry her and and she just dominated everybody and and she has these these three daughters and they she abused them in every way that she could possibly do it, but but she was able to fly under the radar because she never did anything that would be seen out in public, and so they'd go to school and you know they never they never reported her or anything, and and this went on for a long time, and she'd get people. She had a couple people that came and and lived with them, somebody that was supposed to be her friend that she let come and live with them, and she eventually murdered her, and her nephew came and lived with them, and she starved him to death and murdered him. I mean, she was just terrible. So finally, the older girls, they finally got out because they thought, well, maybe since the youngest sister is her favorite, maybe she'll be nice to her if we're not around. Well, that didn't work, so they finally... Eventually, they come back and get her and get her out of it, and they end up, you know, turning her in, and she 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 faces what she's supposed to face. But I mean, this book, it's so sad to think that these poor girls went through this. But you know, it it shows you how resilient people are and how they they went on and made lives for themselves. And and it's called "If You Tell: A True Story of Murder." Family Secrets, and the Unbreakable Bond of Sisterhood. And it's by Greg Olson. And it's, uh, come on, I've lost my number. Oh, shoot, I can't, just, I'll, I'll put the number in the show notes. I've lost it right now. It's DB98239. Sorry about that. There you that. go. There you go. Outstanding. Well, 
Uh, do we have any listener hands up at the moment? Anyone want to review a question? Go, Fran. From Make Sure Friends Unmuted. I am now. I oh, believe. You, are. you are. Okay. Um, if this book that I want to talk about is something I found on Audible, but most likely it's on Bard because I think this author is pretty popular. Um, it's by Carrie Fisher. And I really like her a lot. Um, she doesn't sugarcoat things. Um, and yet, you know, there, there are a lot of hopeful and, and you know, good moments. But um, this book deals with three friends, you know, these women who have been friends for years and their husbands. And they each kind of have similar, well, they each have some similar problems with their husbands, but they, you know, all try to cover it up. And um, the relationships are not what I call cookie cutter kind of relationships. There's there's one woman, for example, who um, wants to, she's just looking forward to, because her kids are, you know, she's an empty nester and she's just looking so forward to, you know, having time. And they were, the three women were going to go on a trip and it turns out that she's pregnant. And so it goes through, um, you know, her conflicts about it and um, just different. I find the char- the characters, um, she does a great job with them and it doesn't, it's just not a, um, I don't, she goes pretty far, you know, kind of into the back and forth of, you know, the relationships and how things, and you know, with, between the women and the couples. And it's, I don't know, it's just, uh, I found it to be a really great book. And I would highly recommend Carrie Fisher. Um, most of what I've read from her, uh, I find very good. And... So, anyway, that's on Audible. I don't know if it's on Bard or not. I should have checked that, but I forgot. So, anyway, that's mine. Thank you, Fran. Keep bringing them. We'll look it up. And that reminds me, if you want Jennifer's um, book reviews that she publishes every week with everything that we've discussed here on the podcast... You can go to the mailing list or subscribe by going to legendoldies.com and clicking on Book Talk, and there's a subscribe link. If that doesn't work for you, send Jenny an email at, let's see, it's jspark752, right, Jennifer? Right, at gmail.com. And we're going through a new service. Maybe Nolan can tell me about it. And we'll be able to manually... Um, set those up for you. So anybody that wants that service, wants that or does not want to go through that hassle of subscribing, let her know and we'll, we'll take care of it 
for you under Groups IO. Nolan, have you ever heard of that service? Yeah, I think so. We uh, we've been running lists on that for years on the legend. Well, yeah, um, I know that, but what I mean is where you can actually subscribe somebody from your computer. They no, stopped that for a while. That's been a, a that's been something that they wouldn't let you do unless you bought the paid version, and so I never did. So it's that's good to know that you can do that. Well, you with can the paid invite version, someone, yeah. And um, if you want to subscribe yourself, you can just send a blank email to booktalk plus subscribe at groups.io, and I think that'll get you there. Uh, the plus sign is not, you don't want to do P-L-U-S, but... No. Uh, I think we have, booktalk. Nolan, we have two hands for you. We have uh, Bath, and then Fran is, Fran's hand is back up again, so Bath is first, and then Fran... Let her go first, sure, that'd be fine, sure. Now I'm muted. Well, I was going to tell all of you that I've really been getting into this this first book in the Orphan Train series. It's a, a set of two books. One's by Jody Hetland, and it's really, really good. I know that there's this, there's several siblings. That the, the, the oldest one ended up having to go out west. Well, she, I think that the, they were living on the East Coast at least for a while. Whoops. And... She, there, she went out. She went to Illinois, and then, then I think the next sister, her older, her younger sister, was going to go to Illinois. I don't know for sure if she was going to be able to be with her yet, but I know that they're talking about some of that and these girls, and and they're they're also they had a, maybe a couple of twins in there too, a sister and a brother, and I think a, a baby, if I recall. But I'm really feeling kind of bad because some of the, there are certain things that are happening. Sorry, my jaws has given me all kinds of grief. <laughs> but there, there's certain things that are going on, and all mm-hmm. these people are hoping to eventually get together again. So the book is called With You Always. Right. That's an excellent recommendation. Thank you. I've not read that. Thank you. Do we have any more hands, Perry? Uh, Fran is back. Fran, okay. go ahead. Hi, I'm not trying to uh, monopolize things here. I just um, <laughs> Gary told me that I did not repeat the name of the book, <laughs> and so I wanted to remedy that. The name of the book is "Other People's Marriages," and the author is Carrie Fisher. Ah, okay. Other people's so, marriages. I guess I was so excited about talking about the book, I forgot to say the name of the book. Easy well, to do. We'll only charge you so, twice okay. as much. Sorry about yeah, that. No problem. Okay. No problem. Thank you. All right. Well, let me um, do one more Jimmy Stewart book here because, I, like I said, I talked with Jerry two weeks ago, and he said, well, I should be able to be at the meeting and, and be able to listen to some of those. So with that in mind, we chose tonight as the night to – to deal with uh, with us, this is the last one I'll talk about about this particular subject. It made me smile a little bit to look at this review. I hadn't looked at it since oh gosh, twenty twenty one, no twenty twenty two, August twenty third, twenty twenty two is when I reviewed this originally, and I had forgotten much of it. It was good to review the review. Um, I tend to smile at myself a little bit because I'm not very diplomatic with my reviews most of the time. It's you just get what you get, and uh, this book is called. Uh, Jimmy Stewart, A Life in Film, by Roy Picard, P-I-C-K-A-R-D. And I will dig up the order number before we finish here. Um, The book begins at a 1980 American Film Institute tribute to Stewart. And it uses that 
platform as a sort of launching pad to flash back to times and events in his life. According to my review, and it made me smile to reread this, quite frankly, this is a shallow, superficial biography. (laughs) Do you need any more definitive uh, perspective than that? The chapters are based on on film titles, and uh, the biographical focus is, is on the making of specific movies, not so much the life of the actor. Uh, he does cover Stewart's World War II service. It actually gets short shrift, though, because it, it gets almost no coverage at all and deserved more. Uh, it, it doesn't talk about at all the impact of the death of his son, um, any of those things. There are some fun little tidbits in here that you might find trivially interesting. Uh, you go to your next little uh, family outing and spout one of those, and they'll look at you like you perhaps uh, lost uh, an important part of your mind. Um it's it's all right. It, it's he. If you like the films, this might be your kind of book. This is for people who don't really care much about the life of the individual, but they're fascinated by the actual films and the plots. And people who do a lot of theater type stuff or who are interested in Hollywood will find this appealing. But I don't know. It just it didn't jump and jive with me only because it was so undetailed with regard to his actual life. Um, I did look at the filmography. That's a good reason to download this. If you really want to see the, the, the Stewart films, this has an outstanding list. That's probably the main redeeming value that it has. I was surprised when I looked through that list to find only four movies that I haven't seen at least twice. So I came away feeling like, well, maybe I know more about this guy, this actor, his, at least his work, uh, than I thought I did. This isn't a terrible biography. It's just light and fluffy. And so if you're into light and fluffy then this will work. This will get you there. And again, that's Jimmy Stewart, A Life in Film by Roy Picard. And I don't see the order number super quickly here. Hold on. Oh, yes, I do. Um, It's, sorry. Here it is. DB36683. DB36683. So that's that one. Very, very good. Honestly, I haven't read very many biographies I should read more. I sometimes if I think think a lot of a of a particular person I'm not sure I want to read their biography cuz I don't want them to tell me all the dirt about their life. <laughs> yeah, that is an issue. You you have someone whom you've idolized or thought highly of and then you read their biography and find that they are uh, you know temperamental uh, hateful ugly people and it just it doesn't doesn't help at all. <laughs> so that yeah, is a I, danger. And I guess I shouldn't worry about it, cause, but but that's one of the reasons why. I've... No, you're right. That makes sense, though. It's it's hard to have people tarnished who who you thought maybe were were pretty okay folks at one point. And uh, to, unfortunately, today's celebrity is perfectly okay with being tarnished. They are loud and proud about presenting themselves. Uh, yeah. Way. And so uh, you don't have that same sense of um, I don't know. It, it, it's just, uh, you're right. You want to be careful about who you pick to read because you could come away with a really diminished perspective on that individual. Yeah, and why not? You don't like them even if they were talented. But... Exactly. It's like, ooh, I wouldn't want to hang out with that individual at all. Yeah, that's that's very real. And We have a caller, Nolan, from the 818 area code. So it's if you would Don. please unmute Don. Don and Sandy. 
everyone. Hello. Yeah, Sandy has a book she wants to talk about. I, I know that you've talked about Lisa Gardner, I think it is. Mm -hmm. That's who it is. Linda, Live to Tell. Yeah, it's a book called Live to Tell. And it's, it's about, it's a mental institution for, for very disturbed children. And it's really, it raises your hair. It's really a good book. His, um, his little kid, you think at the beginning that you read about his life, first few paragraphs, you think he's an older person. He's eight years old. His name is Evan. And he, he just, all he does is horrible things. He ended up stabbing his mother in the liver and almost killing her and, but it's really good it's a it's a real real good book it's about this it's a what do they call it john it was like a inner in, institution for the very disturbed children yeah they deal with uh well the, the book really deals with uh, children that have been involved in family abuse, entire families being killed, or all kinds yeah, of the whole families being killed. And one of the nurses, her whole family was killed by her father. And I recommend it's really good. Yeah, we've been catching up on uh, Lisa Gardner's books here, uh, thanks to the Braille Institute, uh, their book club there. They introduced them to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got a book club going on at Braille, and, but it's a, it'll, it'll raise your hair. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a good it'll book. That's called Live to Tell, a Detective Dee Dee Warren novel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, D.D. Warren. That's, right, that's yeah. the main detective. The order number on this, should you want to download it for yourself, is DB72488. So once again, DB72488, if you want to get the Braille version. Um, looks like there is no uh, no Braille version. There's just an audio, sorry. So again, DB72488. And now you're right, um, Sandy, that is a really good book. All of the books in that series that I've read have been really good. She's a good writer, even her standalone books. Yes, she's excellent. Her and, and Joy Fielding, I seems like I read almost everything they write. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both they're both auto downloads here. It seems like I snag whatever they whatever I can find of either. Somebody of those. somebody asked me one day, who's better, Nolan, Joy Fielding or Lisa Gardner? Yeah, I don't know the. It's hard. It's a hard comparison to make because their stuff is different enough that it's that's apples and oranges almost. Yeah, almost. Yeah, we appreciate um, all the input. Go how ahead. about a book that uh, I didn't really like very well for, for the once for the week? I hate to think people assume I'm being paid by the publishers to market their stuff, but so <laughs> no good. This one surprised me. I thought it was actually going to be a good book, and it turned out to be a letdown for me to some degree. I'll try to explain it. This is called. The Best of Friends. The author is Lucinda Berry. The order number, if you are eligible to download such things, is DB105399. Once again, DB105399. Here's the setup. The author, Lucinda Berry, is actually a psychologist in real life and has a solid knowledge of 
what I would call the darker side of the human mind. And she is fairly successful at bringing that real-life experience into her fiction. And you'll see that here. I'll talk about why I didn't like the book in just a minute. Let me explain to you what the book's about and maybe talk to you about why it had some value before I go into the the must-never-read. This essentially is a story of three friends. They were friends in high school. They are females. They grow up and marry. They all remain in the same community in which they were uh, at school, and they have children. Each family has one son who is good friends with the other two. So this this schoolgirl friendship that began way back has found new places in the sons. On a horrendous night, there are gunshots, and one young man is dead. The other winds up in a coma. And the third is rendered speechless by virtue of what happened to to the other two. So he can't talk. One young man is dead, and the other is comatose and will probably not survive. Um, what happens as you follow these three families then is that the author gradually peels back the secrets and the lives of these three women and their associations with one another and others. For example, in one case, one of the women is married but is in an extremely abusive relationship. And you see that abuse and how it works and the manipulation that the husband employs to keep her from running off to to mommy or to uh, anywhere, a shelter, anywhere. Uh, And it's a fascinating, ugly, if if spouse abuse is a problem for you, you probably want to leave that one undownloaded. the other women deal with uh, with uh, wealth that is not real wealth, but is appearance very much, uh, um, you know, the old superficial glitter type behavior, life of uh, existence. Um, I won't obviously talk about the end. Uh, it, it does mercifully end. It's only about an eight-hour book, and if you speed it up just a little bit, you'll be through it relatively quickly. Uh, my My complaint about this book, folks, is that I didn't like any of these three women. Um, at some point, I just stopped caring what happened to any of them. I found them, at some level, all sort of superficial and shallow and not the kind of people I would want to associate with. Yes, I was sorry for the loss of their sons. Well, as it turns out, one of them did indeed take his own life with a, with a gun. Another was accidentally shot by, by the third one. And it, so it, it's a tragic story by every measure. But I, I just never came away with a sense of appreciation for any of these families. There seemed very little here that felt redemptive or, or hopeful. And I guess I'm learning about myself that I'm a reader who really prefers to have some hope and some redemption in his stories. Otherwise, I really struggle with it. And this did not have it for me. Again, this is called The Best of Friends. The author is Lucinda Barry, B-E-R-R-Y. And the order number, oh, what was good about it? I promised you I would say that. The plot is involving. In other words, it it will pull you forward through the book. You will not be tapping that section of your phone in which your player reads aloud how many hours you've read, how many hours remain, and then if you flick, you get a percentage of uh, uh, your percentage of where you are in the book. You won't be doing much of that because the plot really is riveting, and it does pull you forward through the book. You won't, if you start it, you'll finish it, I suspect. But when I came away... I just wanted to, to get a spiritual shower. I don't know if that makes any sense. If you, if, maybe some of you have also experienced that with books where you just feel grungy and gritty and grimy and dirty and you, you like your, oh, yeah. your spirits smell bad. 
you just want to go clean that off and get a shower somewhere. And uh, that, that's what uh, Stephen King's Pet Cemetery did that to me years ago. I just came away from that just ugh, ew, oh. Um, if you could, if you could damage yourself spiritually, that one, uh, that one did it for me. But um, this one was very similar kind of reaction. I just wanted to go get clean, and uh, <laughs> thank heaven there are other influences out there that counterbalance some of this stuff. So that was the the, the good part. The plot will move you to the back page. I'm pretty sure if you start it, you'll finish it. Again, though, it is uh, the best of friends, Lucinda Barry, DB one zero five three nine nine. Well, I have another true book to tell you about. That's a, it is a biography, and it's called The Stranger in the Woods, The Extraordinary Story of the Last True Hermits, and it's by Michael Finkel, and it's about this young man, and it's, a, it's listed as a biography with, with the U.S. history, and in, in 1986, 20-year-old Christopher Knight drove to Maine, and disappeared into the forest. He lay. He stayed in the forest for the next thirty years, roughly thirty years. We don't exactly know. They weren't sure if maybe he was autistic or something. But he just decided that he he wanted to get off the grid. He didn't like all the racket of the world and everything. So he he went into the forest and he he learned what he could eat in the forest, the berries and things he could cultivate, and he grew some things. But to supplement what he needed, he would steal. He would he lived for a while close enough to lake cabins where people stayed in the summer so he could break in the back doors when they were when he didn't think anybody was around and steal things that maybe they left behind. And he got by with doing this for a long time till he got braver and more desperate and went to started going to the to the mess hall of a I'm not I don't remember now if it was an army base or um, a scouting camp or something and anyway they must have had cameras or something because he or he got brave enough that he stole enough that they realized that things were missing and and he gets they catch him and he gets arrested and of course when he gets arrested they he gets thrown back into the grid and back on his release, you know, and he has to go into probation and learn to live like a like the rest of us live. And, and it's the book talks about his struggle to get used to all the noise and to all the technology and everything that he's that and all the changes that have been made since since his time that he went to the woods. And, and then, I mean, it was an interesting book. I never. I think PBS might have done a series in their telethon time on this man about his trips. But it is, um, if you're interested, it is The Stranger in the Woods, The Extraordinary Story of the Last True Hermit, and it's by Michael Finkel, and it is DB87555. Outstanding. I think that was the last one to the party on that. I remember people writing about it on the review lists. I've never read it. Isn't that scary? So you're not the last one. I'm still out there flailing and <laughs> twisting in the wind of uh, lack of information or something there. Any listener uh, perspectives or do we do I have I have another I'm, I'm checking the queue right now. Is okay. anybody else last call for if you want to make a comment? 
Well, I guess not, Nolan. So that okay, means they want to all Nolan all the time. Yeah, I'm proud yeah. of us. Um, let me jump into, because I don't pay enough attention to this, it seems like this is a good time to change that remedy a little bit. I want to talk about a historical fiction book. I don't normally like historical fiction because my mind being what it is, shallow and sometimes forgetful and not very good at parsing out fact from from fiction, I'm always afraid to read it and then go somewhere where you have all these really um, expert people on the subject who talk about it, and then you just blurt out some piece of fiction from that book you read that you thought was actual history, and they have to pat you on the head and patronize you and say, well, no, that, that's, no, that, that didn't actually, that didn't actually happen. Uh, I'm always afraid of being in that kind of a circle somewhere. I love civil war fictional history, but I'm terrified to talk about it in front of people who I know are experts because I'm afraid I'll blurt out that, that silliness. And so normally I avoid historical fiction for those very reasons. However, I make a few exceptions. One of them is an author named Amy Harmon. She is from central Utah and I've often thought that Amy Harmon is probably Central Utah's most profitable, most valuable export to the rest of the world. It's a small town that nobody will have heard of, but um, I have been impressed with her book since December of 2014. I read a book called Running Barefoot, and uh, it's on Bard. I heard, I'll, I'll review it one of these days for this program, but it kind of changed me. I read it over the Christmas holidays and was just really uplifted. And she has the ability to do that with her writing. She's uniquely talented in that she's tried her hand at fantasy and done pretty well. She's tried her hand at historical fiction, and she's done well. She has tried her hand at romance and done really well. Um, she just It's amazing, the, the, the divergence of books that she's, she's written. And I, I'll bring more of her work to, to our attention over the weeks because I really think she has merit, and I think people would enjoy her. I want to talk tonight about a book called Where the Lost Wander. And if I reviewed this before, I've got to start keeping better lists. But if I reviewed this before, uh, speak up, but I think we're okay. Where the Lost Wander, and again, it's Amy Harmon, H-A-R-M-O-N. Amy is conventionally spelled with a Y. The order number, should you decide to download this, is DB10, whoa, DB100353. So again, DB100353. I recommend you get the Audible version because Catherine Byers reads the, the National Library Service version, and she's gotten to have too much of an old sound. I think these days I don't enjoy her narrations much personally, and I struggle with them. So if you can get the commercial version from Libby, that's probably a better way to go from in terms of reading. So I first reviewed this during the height of the pandemic in July of 2020. And it was a time when, as you know, we were all locked in, and I still could get outside and walk on the jogging path around my apartment complex. And this book literally is one that I read while doing exactly that. Uh, it's, it's just an impressive book. Here's why. Um, John Lowry is one of the main characters. He's the son of a mule breeder in Missouri. And for wagon trains going west in the 1840s and 50s, if you had a Lowry mule or a team of Lowry mules guiding you, pulling your, your wagons, you had some of the finest and best mules that can be bred. The Lowry people took great, great, great pains to breed really uh, strong, capable animals. And if you bought those, you, A, spent good money for them, but B, you were in really good hands in, in terms of your trip. 
John's mother is a Pawnee Indian. His dad is a white guy. And so John is, I guess you could qualify him as a mixed race. He, John, agrees to accompany a wagon train of people partway to Oregon. He doesn't want to go all the way out there, but he, he said he'd go part of the way, make sure that the mules that they bought from him were, were all okay. Um, I guess actually he was going to, to California. My apologies. Anyway, that would be a place where his mules would be sold to the Army and uh, at one of the forts out there. So that was his plan, to break them in and use them on this wagon train trip and then sell them to the Army. John never counted on meeting Naomi May. She is recently widowed. She will accompany her family to California. And uh, this is a just a richly, richly layered, colorful bit of historical fiction that will leave you forever changed, in my opinion. Naomi and John have to deal with his mixed race, uh, his background. That's going to be hard for them because people still have problems with mixed race marriages uh, in in that day and time and uh, they have separate dreams and they live in separate worlds in many many respects and so trying to make those bridge is going to be tough there's an unthinkable tragedy that strikes the wagon train i don't want to go into that here it'll spoil the book and it becomes temporarily impossible that those two worlds naomi's and john's can ever be able to merge as the couple had once hoped and thought that they might early in the in the journey. I I read much of this while, uh, while I was on that jogging path, as I told you, and gosh, it was an amazing experience. I felt I was walking with that, uh, with Naomi May and with, with John Lowry on that wagon train, and uh, my, my modern paved little jogging path was transformed in my mind into a this immigration trail, this hard, uh, difficult to, to, to navigate trail, fraught with hardship and death. And gosh, when I got home from those that that early morning walk, I just uh, I just the audio book stayed with me until uh, the last sentence rolled across the the player, and uh, it, it's really that good. Um, what else can I tell you? Um, it just I, I guess I've said enough. I, Amy Harmon writes stuff that is always successful for me. For whatever reason, her books resonate with me in grand style, and. Uh, We'll talk more about her over in coming weeks. But again, it's called Where the Lost Wander. And uh, it's DB100353. But please, for your, for your sake, try to see if you can get this on Libby. It'll be a better narration in my judgment. Now, if you're a, a huge Catherine Byers fan and you think, oh, my gosh, nobody can read better than her no matter what. <laughs> okay, fine, great. Go for it. Snag the, the bard version. But, uh, worth your time. I solemnly promise it will be worth your time. Lots of good books. We've had lots of good suggestions today, too. Yeah, this has been fun. It's good to be back with you. Last week seemed like a long week. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're going to make a slight correction. This is not going to change anything the way that you're doing it now. Book talk is not changing, but... We made a mistake when we set up the podcast. We just put in book talk. Uh-oh. Well, there's a million book talks yeah, out there. There sure is. So that's been a real problem. So to show that we're coming to the top of the list, it will be shown as you. We will send you out an email, but it's going to show book talk. Wait a minute. How did I say it? My words just escaped me. 
book talk, bard, and more. That's three words. In other words, we discuss a lot of bard books, but we also discuss Libby books, Audible books, Bookshare books, whatever books, and that's why I want the ad more. I'm sure we do a lot of emphasis on Bard, but we, we want to get to the top of the list instead of at the bottom of the list. Um, you know, That's going to be fun because you're going to have a lot of cited um, subscribers who assume you're going to be talking about Shakespeare books oh, and more. Because they'll see Bard because his nickname was the Bard. So... You'll have sighted people come, and they'll stay for only a couple of weeks and be gone, maybe. Right. Do you have you got a better – I mean – No, I'm, I think whatever you want to do is fine with me. I'm just saying that – No, no, no. See, what, what I'm saying if, is we need a better – if you can give me – I'm all for it. No, I'm I know. Just, I have no problem. I'm just saying if you see fluctuations in the numbers, yeah. that may be why they're going to come expecting a Shakespeare – List. Well, I mean, if you listeners want to chime in on it, we just want everybody to be able to get the podcast. We've already reached several countries, and but we're having a problem. We're getting a lot of problems. And, uh, you know, if, if you send me there's think something, Nolan, just send me a suggestion. And you, the listeners, send it to Jennifer because I know her email gets through it. Would Jay's you consider Parks something as simple as digital book talk? Although that could have its that could have its problems too, because they'll think they're they're, I don't know. I think what you've well, done is is good. Let's let's kick it around and yeah. Well, well I was even thinking legend book talk. Yes, I would like be fine with list. that. Yep, I would be perfectly good with that because it it's center it's it goes along with your brand. Yeah, whatever you guys think that I can do it the best way to make it easy for you to get nothing's going to change address wise anything that right, you're course. doing now. We're I, just I would be get... fine personally with Legend Book Talk. Yeah, we just want to get to the top of the list mm-hmm. to where you can read it. So, mm-hmm. boy, gosh, we've reached we've reached the bewitching hour. It's six o'clock almost, and yep. I think I'm both of you. This producer, is the fastest hour on radio. It is for me. Yeah, I just and. Um, so, it's a good thing I don't age that in. rapidly the rest of the week. Right, yeah. <laughs> just send us that input if you want to, please, and we'll take it all into consideration. We want to get the podcast and the mailing list out to as many people as possible because yeah. I think you're missing a lot when you don't get the mailing list or those types of things. And it's very low traffic, so don't worry about that. Well, both you and Nolan, Jenny, have a nice week and enjoy unwrapping your new, what is it called? Um, your, oh, not I, I, iPad, the, the brand new iPad. So now wow, you can read more books. Yeah. Jenny got that this afternoon. Oh, that's fantastic. Good, good for you. All right. All right. Take, take care. care. I'll have a great week. Bye bye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>